0: Welcome to episode 39 of the Making Geeks podcast We are the podcast for makers, dads, and geeks And today we have our fabulous foursome, I guess Mr. Josh Price Hello Mr. Mark O'Keefe What's going on? Mr. Wes Swain Hello And I am Sean Jolliker Hi, Sean I'm speeding through that because I'm kind of excited to get to talking about some things that we were already starting to get into before we uh, officially started the show. (laughs) So what has everybody been up to?
1: At this point, I'm living vicariously through you guys. I'm (laughs) up to nothing, and I can be up to nothing right now, unfortunately. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm reveling in, hey, I did this. Oh, did you? Tell me
2: more. (laughs) That sounds fun. (laughs)
0: Well we'll Photoshop you into our builds and you know everything yeah. that we're
2: doing. Yeah. I think or I might get little...
0: to sit in front
1: of my computer tomorrow morning,
0: but I'm not holding
1: my breath.
2: <laughs> you get a little paper paper version of Mark who just carried around every time you go somewhere to have like, a little paper like mark Bob, in the background.
1: Like the Bob cutout from uh, WIA a few years oh, ago. Oh yeah. We should have those That's for each thing. other.
0: <laughs> like like any one of us are missing from like an event, like I'm not gonna be at the woodworking show. You guys just have like one of
2: me. We do, but I think we've set a precedent that you have to find like the most embarrassing and ridiculous picture of that person that we can show around in public. I'm all for it. Nice. I have no shame. Got to fire up the print shop again.
0: <laughs>
2: I remember when I made that picture of Bob with that goofy looking face he was making, that lady at the print shop was like, you want what? I was like, <laughs> I want this. People sized on like foam core, like, uh, like that corrugated plastic. She's like... Uh huh. I'm like, can you cut it out? She's like, no. You're gonna have to do all that. I'm like, yeah, that's fine.
1: There, there <laughs> might be a kilt in my future, so that might be a great picture for it. We hmm.
0: might need some context for that.
1: Mm-hmm. It just came up over, uh, um. God, where were we? We were talking about St. Patrick's Day. We we're at my my neighbor's wedding. We were talking about St. Patrick's Day, and my wife's like, you should get a kilt. I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: Are you gonna do a Braveheart style? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I don't know if the the cardboard cutout would be what Josh wants, but <laughs> <laughs> do a flip up version. <laughs> why? Wait, <Man. laughs> why why are we getting to the bottom of the kilt at his stomach? Oh no.
3: Marilyn Monroe, Mark O'Keefe.
2: <laughs> Rig up a little fan that just blows up. <laughs> you know, Mark, I think you have your logo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
2: <laughs> Crazy. I went to the Brain Candy Live Show, the one the West that you went to,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and we got some VIP tickets. And like I was talking about last week, and I got to meet Adam Savage and Michael Stevens from Vsauce, and it was pretty awesome. It was, yeah, it was, it was worth it was worth the money. It was kind of expensive, but it was totally worth the money. Um, it's good to hear. Yeah. So we can talk about the show now. You don't have to. You don't have to like yeah. keep it all hidden.
3: Nice. I don't remember how many
2: cities are left by the time this airs.
3: Not but, too many, I don't
2: think. Yeah, the show was pretty neat. Like, it was like an interactive, oh, not really interactive, but it was like a live science show. So it was like a, I thought it was like one gigantically large Vsauce episode where
0: right. they
2: take like a science concept and they like break it down and explain it into very understandable terms, but you know get really, really deep into a concept with gravity or air movement or water vapor or whatever. And then to demonstrate those points, Adam Savage would like make cool, like you know gadgets and things to, to demonstrate that point. It was super fun. So the show was pretty neat. But when we got in, uh, I just got the VIP tickets. I didn't know what seats we chose. Like I assumed, or I hoped they would just be kind of good. Cause all I really cared about was, you know, the after part where we got to go meet people and we got the front row, like dead center my wife sat like on the aisle in the very first seat. It was, <laughs> you couldn't get but ba- I've never had that, that good of seats for anything before. I've never had backstage passes for anything before. So we were elated. Like it was nuts. We got to be right there. And at a certain point in the show, they take, um, I take like a fog machine or they take like a dry ice kind of like, I really can't have like a dry ice machine to make like the, the rolling fog and like vampire movies and, they walk around, like, they try to blow it all through the crowd. And just, we got, like, all that mist and all that, that crap, like, right in your face. It was right there. It was, yeah, it was really cool. Well, like, the after, the after piece where we got to actually meet people, I don't know. Like, I've never done it before. Like I said, I've never done the behind the scenes. But it was very regimented. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that, like, and I get it. They, they've done, I forgot how many forty some cities in four weeks, or however long it is, and it was like, all right, you can't have this, you can't do this, you can't do this. they'll be in the room, you have this much time, and I think there were like a hundred people that were on the the backstage pass thing wow. and they put us in this like tiny room, and there was like a ten minute question and answer session, and this they were like,' all right, don't have your phones out recording during the thing, and this one big guy next to me had his phone out recording it while Adam Savage was trying to talk and Adam Savage was like super chill about it, but like pretty much told him, to put his phone away. He doesn't want to be recorded while he's trying to answer questions. Cause he doesn't want his words to be negatively used against him while he's trying to speak candidly about something.
3: Mm.
2: So that like took up time cause he had to tell the guy to put his phone away. And then they had all these security people around and there's just people were pushy and I don't think it was any, any problem with Adam Savage or Michael Stevens. It's just, Yep. I, they must have had some some rules in their writer about, you know, they don't want flash photography and they don't want this, and uh, I had some notebooks, like some of our making geeks notebooks that say the maker dad geek that I embossed on the front, and I put our sticker inside, and I wrote like a message with the website and the podcast name, and I was hoping that they were going to like be able to maybe autograph one so that we could do a giveaway um, and they were like they will not sign anything and they they hmm. signed like a bunch of like headshots and everybody kind of got one. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the things like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It had like the brain candy live logo. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know how <laughs> useful this thing is going to be. Like it's not frame worthy. Cause it's just, it's a piece of you know cardboard or whatever. And so we gave them away to a bunch of kids. Cause at the end they shoot all these golf balls out and a whole bunch of people try to bum rush front of the, the stage and so there were like thousands of ping pong balls everywhere, like right at our feet, because we sat in the front rows. So we would just grab up handfuls and throw them to people. And then if a little kid kind of got his way all the way or her way all the way forward, my wife and I both had one of those little headshot things, so we just <laughs> kind of gave away to little kids. And, nice. Yeah, but it was awesome because as busy and as as hectic as their like schedules are, the time that I stood there talking to Adam Savage, like he he added to uh, the conversation we had i mean great it was only it was literally like a five minute conversation which was more than a lot of people got to have because we talked about the workshop we talked about the mobile kind of journey makerspace journey that we're on we talked about the podcast we talked about the white house uh like um science staff being cut and but he was legitimately interested like about what we were talking about yeah and like there's a lady who Takes your phone, like takes pictures, and like he just kind of went and turned his back to her, like while we were talking, like completely just shutting off that like single-serving kind of picture moment, and turned it into a conversation, which I thought was was super cool on like a personal level.
3: It's classy, yeah,
2: yeah. And so everything that you see like on Tested or you see on MythBusters, where he's like he's talking to people and he's like just really eager to learn about what it is that they're talking about, like that. Absolutely comes across as completely genuine. And it was a really good time.
0: That's great to hear.
2: Yeah. So, there's. So, do you get I've to
0: choose which
3: them. one you want to talk to, or do you talk to both at the same time? Or. Well,
2: what they did is they, they had. <laughs> Michael Stevens and Adam Savage kind of stood in front of the big crowd, and they're like, "Does anybody have any questions?" And then a bunch of random hands were raised, and this one little kid asked during the show, "We're like, what would happen if the Earth was in a different solar system, and like all the planets were different?" And then so that little kid ended up being there too, and he tried to ask the same question again, and took like a long time to explain. And but so they'd ask like a couple random questions, and then you had to form like a line around the room, and then you and your party it's kind of like when you're at disney world and it's like it's your chance to see mickey right. or like mickey could talk back to you if you had an interesting <laughs> enough like minute long or whatever you know conversation and so somebody's like i really like mythbusters it's super fun and they're like yeah thanks and then that was about it and <laughs> so the whole time i'm like all right i i'm really good at schmoozing and kind of just like <coughs> talking you know whatever to people and i was legitimately nervous I was like, holy crap, don't screw this up. I'm like, what are you gonna say? Like, you have so many things that you could talk about. <laughs> I was like, how am I gonna say everything I wanna say? I'm like, okay. So the whole time I was walking around the room in the peripheral, I'm trying to whittle down the like laundry list of best friend topics that we're gonna have. They're <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> you have five words to capture someone's attention. Like, what are they gonna be? I was like, Ooh. and like right before it was our turn, I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say, what was your favorite myth? And then, like when when Ralphie has to talk to Santa Claus, and he's like, "I want a football." (laughs) Like I was gonna have that moment. (laughs) And Tiff was laughing at me. She was like, "You are so giddy right now." I'm like, "Hush, woman. I'm trying to figure this out." (laughs) But we had a really good time. It It was an awesome experience, and it was really, really great to see that this especially Adam Savage like he was so monumental in the maker movement and continues to be like he lived up to what my my elementary expectation of him would be like no one should should have expectations of others to meet but he met it and exceeded it and so it was really really great it was really inspiring
1: i'm so happy he's not one of those famous people that like you find out is just horrible in real life like he's pretty much I mean, he's pretty much exactly what you see on TV for the more or less.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: like, that's that's the guy.
2: And it's, he just he wants to learn.
0: Yeah. How cool would it have been if we were able to hit him up in four different cities <laughs> hmm. with notebooks and a sticker? Super awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> well, he was asking, he's like, Do you have, we told him about the journey and the RV and all this. And he's like, well, Do you have any like contact information? I can see what it is you're talking about. I'm like, Oh, I had the Making Geek sticker in there. I was like, oh, it's, everything's on there. You know, there's an about section. I was like, learn about the podcast because, like, I think you'd be awesome on the podcast. And he's like, oh, this is super great. And um, I, we were talking about the travels. He was like, are you coming out to California? I was like, yeah, we we might be coming out to California. He's like, you need to come by the cave. He's like, absolutely, come by the cave and check it out. And I'm like, yeah, I wanna I wanna do that right now. I was like, I wanna go by the cave. I like how you were
0: saving <laughs> so, you were saving that video gonna, information. You should have led with that. I'm going to hide away in your RV
1: just to go to the cave.
2: Yeah, but, like, besides me being all, like, giddy and chipmunkish about this whole thing, when I walked away, I'm like, okay, I have no real way to contact him. He may look on on the website and, like, may give the podcast, like, a listen. He has a way to contact me, which I seriously doubt he's going. I was trying to, like, after the the princess at the ball kind of phase went off and I was Cinderella back with the mop and bucket. And I'm like, okay, how realistic is this? Really? I'm like, I'm going to ride this high, that go out there and we're going to be super awesome friends. friends. We're going to build all kinds of stuff. I was like, <laughs> we're going to build a fort. Yeah. And I, that, that's part of his niceness. Like, yeah, I, I doubt I could just walk up into the mission district in San Francisco and knock on every door until someone answered to go, you remember me? <laughs> but, you real I don't know. He he kind of seems like he would be
1: the the famous um the uh no that sounds crappy. I
3: kind of felt the, the same way about Jimmy too though. The,
1: yeah, that's what I was that's what I was going for. Like the the way more famous Jimmy, you know. Yep. Except a little more animated.
2: And again, that could be probably some weird negative pessimistic stigma that I have, but I don't know. There there's a part of me that's like, "Well, he's super busy with everything in the whole world that he is and just being nice. Cause he's a nice person. Like, or is what he's saying? Like a hundred percent legitimate.
3: I would take it as legitimate. Honestly. I would,
2: yeah. So would I, but
0: we should put a special message for him on your profile page on the website. Adam, remember <laughs> we talked about me going to California. <laughs> I'm coming. And we'll put your email there.
2: Yeah. I need to empty my tanks. So, but yeah, that'd be cool.
0: Well, that's
1: two of us have contacted him. Let's go, Sean and Wes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Stevens, like I got to talk to Michael Stevens a little bit too. And I've never met somebody. Oh, actually, I have cuz he reminds me all his mannerisms of this of a really good friend of mine I know. But he is like the happiest like just engaged person. He is just such an upbeat like Fascinated and enthusiastic about everything that happens to him, kind of person, and it was infectious. Like it was so great to see somebody who is just—I don't know if it's natural. It seems that way based on everything that of all the Vsauce videos and things that you watch. But just that curiosity that comes across as just wonder and amazement and joy. Like it was so cool to to see him in person.
3: Nice.
2: Yeah. So that's what I've been doing and what I've been geeking out about and. <laughs> everything all wrapped up in one.
1: I think that's enough geeking out for the four of us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Vicariously. That pretty uh, much covers it.
0: I was geeking out that you were there and talked to him. Yep. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good night. Yeah, (laughs) really. (laughs) (laughs) Makes my job easy.
2: (laughs) So what are we talking about?
0: Well, earlier this week, we had uh, kicked around the idea of talking about um, skills that are usually not... Given the same sort of attention or credit, they can be just as useful or helpful for people in in all sorts of you know, different areas, whether it's making, being a parent, um, or maybe just even uh, life, skills that go unnoticed or not given their due.
2: I like this one.
0: I think it's going to be fun.
2: So I have a, a coworker named Jason, who I know listens to the podcast. What's up, Jason?
3: Hey, uh, Jason. He...
2: Yeah, hello. But he asked the same thing. Like, he was, he uh, responded that, you know, we asked for show topics and he's kind of new to the maker scene. He's, and he was asking, is there a set of skills that new makers should know? I'm like, well, you know, we're kind of talking about that same thing, but that uh, set of skills for a new maker is kind of hard because it depends on what you want to make because it's such a broad, like we talked about, like broad net to cast. So I really like this one because it stopped and made you think, like, I equated it to, to stuff that we need, or people I think should know, myself included, that does not involve actually holding a tool in your hand. So I don't know if anybody else had that same kind of thought process. That's kind of where I went. I had a couple
1: of them, so...
2: <coughs> well, like what?
1: Well, first one off the top of my head is, like, learning how to play Tetris in real life. And that's not... Um, what I mean by that is... Um, I never would have admitted this in high school, but geometry plays a big part in life. So whether it's you're trying to design something that's going to stand up on its own, or if you're packing the dishwasher and trying to get as much stuff in there as you can, learning how shapes fit together is invaluable.
3: Like spatial awareness? Yeah, kind of thing.
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, that matters so, for so many I- different applications.
1: Yeah, it's it's too much to go into deeply, but that's just, um, you know, that was just the the weird one that came to my head. You know, le- learning le- learning how weight sits and how, you know, especially for us cuz, you know, being makers, we're designing stuff from scratch, so you know, you can't put a watermelon on a toothpick and expect it to stand up.
0: It's a great analogy. Although I did
1: I th- yeah, I think I just heard someone say Unless, challenge accepted, but...
3: It's toothpicks laying down. He didn't say it had to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, like, tr- just basic troubleshooting skills is really important. And, oh, God, yeah. like, like for me, I guess I've been doing it so long, it seems like it's one of those things you assume everybody can do, but it's 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 really not, I don't think. You know, just basic, you know, going through, like, a workflow and... Kind of being able to recognize the problem or be able to whittle down the, you know, the potential problem quickly. Um, that that is something's very
1: definitely a lost art. Yeah, I had um, I, I everyone knows I'm I'm the cable guy, so I go to a call last summer. TV doesn't work. I turn the TV on. I change the input. Everything's working fine. What was wrong? It was on the wrong input. Well, how am I supposed to know that? It's 2016 and it's a TV. What do you mean, how are you supposed to know that? You know? There's there's, there's so many people out there that just... don't... I, I guess, you know, the, the, the troubleshooting aspect is just
2: gone. I
0: think, no I think it takes a certain
2: them. type of, like, mindset to think that way, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean... In the case that Mark's talking about, too, it's not even understanding the TV, the TV, but basic trial and error,
2: mm.
0: where they they probably should have been able to figure out just based on, okay, there's these different ports it only fits in these couple different ones, that you systematically you should be able to figure that out, whether or not you understand the terminology.
2: Yeah, but I think if you get a new tool or a new piece of technology, I had just saying in the Army that you had to be 10% smarter than the thing that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And so... Even if you have a brand new piece of equipment and you don't know what it is or what it does, you know, if you look at it like you're talking about, you have to be I don't even think you have to be that familiar with the specific piece. You just have to understand how things work. Like, all right, it receives a signal. It receives a signal from where and then you plug in something here and you you there's a female in and a male out. Like, all right, well it's those basic little concepts that when you're mechanically minded, I think it's easier to troubleshoot. Because in your head you can follow like a process map of mm-hmm. if this then that. And if someone doesn't have that kind of causality focused mindset, it just it's broken. Everything is magically just broken. Yeah. When in, in their minds just they don't understand that process you know, if this then that. Not necessarily that they're they're V repairman, and they don't know all the buttons. They just don't get the general concept of how something even works. And I think that's something that people have to work toward and they have to focus on if they're not that type of personality. Yeah. Saying so it's something that he has, <clears throat> some people has to be learned and fostered mm-hmm. where other people just comes naturally.
3: Yeah.
1: Also, if you're going through life, never ever say I'm not technically savvy. Cause that just means you don't care.
0: <laughs> or the it's don't not that you don't.
1: It's yeah. You, yeah. Or, yeah, you, or try. you just yeah. you refuse to try. You are and not stupid. That.
2: <laughs> but that's one thing I try to teach the kids at a young age too. Is that whenever they have a problem, like if their seatbelt isn't clicking, or if something that they're just getting frustrated with, and they start to like get angry and lash out. You know, you have to be. Or I try because they're lashing out that moment. I would like stop and look at your problem. Like, cut everything away and go. What is your problem? Go. You know, the seatbelt won't go into thing. Like, okay, does it normally go in there? I go, yes. I go, is something preventing it from going in the way? <laughs> a flow chart. Yeah. Yes, there's there's a, a toy. Like, okay, <laughs> so if the toy was moved, would it go in there? I, go, I don't know. I go, We'll try it. And they do it and it's trying to focus on the problem, not the conditions, not how it makes you feel, not the frustrations, like weeding through all of that garbage to get through the heart of what it is. And I think that is that's yeah. definitely a learned skill
3: mm-hmm.
2: because trying to put the frustration and emotional piece aside to even begin the troubleshooting like you're talking about is yeah. being able to assess, like accurately assess a situation is I, not easy to do.
0: For for years I taught a, a specialized class called AVID that actually focused on that exact thing except with academic subjects. And the idea mm-hmm. that it focused on was if you don't know the answer to something, what you have to do first is identify your point of confusion. At what point is it that you become confused and you don't know what to do next, because that focuses you or forces you to focus on what you already know, and that one part that's causing confusion, to get over that hump and then possibly even solve the problem. And it helped quite a few students in those situations, and I've used that for my kids too, and very similar to what you were talking about, Josh, where you you know strip away everything else and look at the problem at hand and you know pro- approach it systematically that way, and kids can start it from a pretty young age. They still, you know, realize it.
2: And I think once, I don't know, I think once you focus on, you know, this is the thing that's causing this, this angst right now. And this is, these are a couple different ways you can maybe approach this. And I, I know for my side, I know for Deacon, especially it's something I try to do a lot that he really likes that he can try to make a solution yeah. to that plan or that problem.
3: um mm-hmm. uh,
2: and all right, I'll give you a really good example, which has been really, really fun. We went to the grocery store the other day and I saw like a coconut full on, like in the husk, brown, hairy looking coconut. I'm like, I've never like I was a survival instructor. I'm like, I've watched a lot of movies. I'm like, I've never opened a coconut by myself. I'm like, I don't even I mean, I would get something hard and try to smash it. I'm like, well, oh, this can be fun. So we've had this coconut for like maybe four or five days now. And every day I look at Deacon, I go. How do we open this coconut? I'm like, and I shake it. I'm like, there's liquid inside. I'm like, we don't want to just run over it with the car because that would you know, ruin all this. And so he's like, ooh, we'll get a knife. I'm like, go get you a knife. And he's like, urgh, urgh, and he hits. He's like, it doesn't work. I'm like, so what else could you? He's like, oh, maybe a pizza cutter. I'm like, go get a pizza cutter. And so <laughs> every day we try to stop and look at this really simple, but really strange problem. and like, come up with a solution. Like, what is our problem? The thing is hard and I can't get through it. I'm like well you could solve it like this but that doesn't meet your intent of being able to get you know the coconut water and whatever else out of it and so every day he tries to come up with a new like theory and we go test it and we're only going to test the ones that he tells me to so right now he's on chainsaw and I don't really have a chainsaw but <laughs> but it's something super simple like that that it's an exercise in trying to get you to to look at the heart of a problem whether it's like a woodworking project or what I've learned about 3d printing. Holy crap. I yep. go back out to the printer and it's just a giant ball of spaghetti, nasty bird's nest. And I'm like, Ugh. I can get mad that it doesn't work and just blame the machine as being a piece of crap or, and throw my hands up or you have to weed through all of that. The irritation first, the physical, just ball of, of mess. I go, where did this stop? Where did it fail? And what are the conditions in which it failed? can I change those? And if so, how do I go about doing it? Yep. And so I think that that skill to be able to weed through all of the irritating minutia to look at the heart of your problem, to make a plan. I think it is, it's an admirable quality. That's a good one. What about you, Sean? Um,
0: the one I was thinking about is, is still very academically minded, but I think that it's undervalued a lot. And that has to do with um, note-taking as a skill Hmm. and being older and my memory not being what it was at once time at one time I'm I'm looking at you know how to be more efficient with note taking where to keep the notes and actually where to you know uh, in the organization of the notes and it's me and I know this is a hit and miss for a lot of people because we have access to the internet at almost any moment we can look up anything that we need but I get tired of having to try to relearn things so I'll, I'll give you one example. I've I've probably gone through half the code academy courses online uh, two or three times. You know, to re, you know refresh on CSS, HTML, Java and all these things and I constantly forget because I'm not using those skills skills all the time. Mm-hmm. So the last time I went through, I took notes on all the major major like syntax and commands and made myself a little a little uh, cheat sheet and now I have that as a reference, and when I look at that, I remember everything else. And I think that for simple conversion tables, for things that you, you know, processes that you don't do often enough to commit them to memory, but maybe have quick access to them, that it could be really helpful. Um, taking notes on meetings, taking notes on, you know, for what you have set up in a calendar. Um, I think there's a lot of applications that, and it's undervalued.
3: Yeah, it's not just about having a physical record that you can go back to. It it does something different mentally, you know, to kind of categorize it in a different way so it's yeah. more retrievable, you know.
0: And and on my school site in fact the whole district is focuses on a certain note-taking um system called Cornell notes that was developed from Cornell University. And it works really well for academics, but it doesn't really translate that well for, you know, a lot of the stuff that we probably probably deal with on a day-to-day basis. But being able to take notes in a sort of a, a strict system that way consistently is pretty effective too. Instead of just all these scribbles, you know, all over a paper, having some sort of system in consistency in which this information is being recorded, um, could be really, really helpful for people as well.
2: You could say recorded in a making geeks notebook available at patreoncom slash making geeks.
0: Excellent segue.
2: I know, right? <laughs> <Ta-ching>!
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: But no, you mentioned your your code class. Um, Like for every workshop or course or anything I've had to do, where you get some piece of like supplemental material, like a spiral binder with slides in it or whatever, that I scribble all over those things. And I have like sticky notes that I would write as tabs, because you might have a two or three inch thick, you know, binder full of you know supplemental or ancillary material that you get. Yeah, and I'll tab those to let me know later on like how to get to the, the different sections really quick and I'll try to scribble out things really fast and then I'll put like maybe like a metaphor or something in it that if I was able to relate it when someone's explaining it to me I might not be able to remember that one like decoder ring type topic later on so I'll scribble that out there too so later if I'm reading it and I read through the same information I have the same type of you know mental barrier and i'm like oh this is kind of like this i'm like oh yeah i have that that context i can snap it back into context even when i read it later on cuz if i have a mental hang up the day that i hear it i'm probably going to have it again the day after i forgot it
0: yeah That's one nice thing that happens with age is we kind of at this point we know how our brains work and we know how we think so we can implement a lot more of those strategies at this point in time
2: it's like a little little time machine your little message to your future self yep <laughs> you're going to forget this so you should probably remember this one thing.
3: Hmm.
2: I would say mine uh, for the skill is is our communication. Man, that was terrible. My skill is our communication. But yeah, being able to talk to people. Uh, I think it's it's an underrated skill these days where everything is in a text message or things can be communicated through emojis and but being able to get your point across and have the other person receive the point that you intend on sending so that the expectations are met so that you're, um, everybody's on the same like level playing field with you know, what is going to be produced or what is being talked about. And I would, I equated this to customer stuff because when I was doing customer builds, learning how to deal with what other people want from you and then what you are going to provide to them seems pretty cut and dry. Like, you want a table, I will build a table, you will give me money for table. But it is not that easy. And it, there's a lot of back and forth between specifics. There's a lot of nitpicky about things where you have an idea in your head versus the idea that they have in their head. And so, appropriate communication between like a maker and a customer. And that goes with a father and a child too. Like, I have certain expectations of my kids, and then whenever they don't meet those expectations, it can be very frustrating when in their head, they had no intention on meeting that goal to begin with. And so it's, hmm. I, I think being able to communicate what you expect from someone and from what they expect of you in a non like vague or tiptoey or passive aggressive kind of passive aggressive. <laughs> there you go. Type way um, can make your life a whole lot easier because I mean, I've, And it's funny because Adam Savage talked about it, but it happened to me too, that um, when you deliver a project and someone has it in their head, like you give them a stained sample or you show them a picture of the type of wood it might be. And so they get in their head, like, it's going to look exactly like this and you bring it into their house or they see the final picture and they go, is that what it's going to look like? Like, is that, I didn't, I thought we chose a different color. I thought we chose a whatever. And your all your hard work is kind of now wasted or that joy you get from making it is now muted because of simple like communication errors. And I think that starts with empathy, like being able to put yourself in that person's shoes and not just focus on your part. Like you have to think about what they are getting also. And I think a lot of the communication in in this context, more of it is about you not thinking from your perspective, but looking at the world from someone else's perspective so that you can anticipate you know those errors or those those little binding agents or those parts that you know are going to be unclear being able to address those early so you can make them better but that involves you having to shut up and listen to other people or stop and put yourself in someone else's shoes for once and people are not very good at doing that
0: i would even extend that and say that an additional skill related to communication would be learning how to initiate a conversation, mm-hmm. especially in social situations, and I am absolutely terrible at this. If somebody comes up and talks to me, fine, no problem. But I am terrible at initiating conversations, and it's why people always think I'm quiet and reserved and and such an introvert. Just, I'm terrible at that kind of small talk. In Boston,
1: have you met Ted? <laughs> and,
0: and, and and Boston was like another. Example of this in practice where I had a hard time talking to people and schmoozing and yeah, it just, it's not in my DNA and it's a, it takes a lot more effort. It's definitely it is, not one of my skills.
1: It is definitely one of the, I I need to learn. Uh, I need to learn that too. Just that and like being, being around people and being able to continue a conversation because I get visibly uncomfortable
2: after a little while. <laughs>
0: We have video proof. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately.
2: Uh, Well, it's neat that that this part of the topic is coming up, and I I hate to keep going back to this brain candy show, but we were sort of like the end of the line and just watching Michael Stevens especially and Adam Savage as well, like, interact with complete strangers who all they wanted was to become um, completely immersed in that relationship for that 30 seconds or a minute or whatever and watching how they do it. Like, it was amazing. And Izzy is kind of the same way. And Kyle Toth from The Dusty Life, and and he talks about it too, where he will walk up to people and have a stack of business cards. And he will automatically just, hi, how are you? What's going on? What are you up to? My name's Kyle. I make stuff for a living. Here's some examples of things that I make. Like, if you're in in an elevator or waiting for coffee or whatever, like, he's like, (laughs) oh yeah, I totally do that, like all the time. And he has accounts where he has met clients and he's met prospective clients just starting up a random conversation with a stranger which is not easy to do but when you watch somebody do it and i think michael stevens was the best because he has that like infectious like optimism his eyebrows are always raised because it seems like he's just very excited about the here and now <laughs> just watching him do that like whether it's real or not which it should be genuine like, like you can just start like hi how are you how's your day today or Jimmy, Jimmy Durante goes, "Hey, like, what do you make?" And it's, his salutation like automatically segues into a conversation, and it's it's really impressive to watch, especially for someone I think like all of us who, except for Wes, has some type of actual introverted nature.
3: I may be that way online. But it's difficult for me in person as well. The that sort of uh, apparent attribute. Is a recent, more recent development.
2: So, how did you foster that?
3: How'd you how'd you get better? Uh,
1: Videotaping everything.
3: I don't know. Um, I guess you know when you're online, you have a little bit more of that like anonymity. You know, even though they know who you are, you still have kind of like a little barrier, right? Against shields, you know, social anxiety for, for in some instances or whatever. So. And I stopped caring as much, I think, too. (laughs) About what other people think, you know, like positive or negative. You just hope that they get the positive out of it. So and usually, you know, if you come if you approach it the right way, then it usually is.
2: We try to teach the kids to have that kind of like hello, how are you? and be I mean, not be superficial and fake, but just people people get excited or they they feel good about themselves whenever you start a conversation with them. and some people can get awkward and they're like why are you talking to me yeah it's creep but i think that's that's the exception to the rule i think it's very it's a lot more rare you know people want some type of connection with people (laughs) even though it's a single serving connection like just initiating a conversation to where you're being genuine
3: yep
2: and i know deke now deke does stranger danger where someone will come up and say, like, hello, young man, how are you? He's like, stranger danger, I don't want to talk to you. And he runs away. <laughs> <laughs> and mostly just because he doesn't want to talk to people. But part of me is like, okay, well, that's kind of good. I'm like, but you should at least say hello. You can say hello to someone. That, that's okay. And but it's, again, it's something that has to be learned, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, what, what's funny is my son doesn't have that same problem that I do. In fact, we've been in a lot of situations where someone will come up to my son and my son will go, Hey, my dad has a YouTube channel. You should go check it out. Huh. It's Geek Builders. And then they'll come up to me and I'm like, I, yeah, sure. I, I don't know what to say. Um, it, I'm like the complete opposite. I'm, I'm glad he doesn't have that issue right now, but <laughs> he's putting me in some awkward situations sometimes. <laughs> he's great with candy
2: sales. <laughs> nice. Well, I think that like all the things that we're talking about, uh, it sets you up for that like candy salesman type attitude. Like if you can be legitimately interested in somebody for even a short amount of time, you know, be able to to pitch somebody something really quick and be enthusiastic about it, like it's usually going to work out in your favor. You know, not only are you making like a real short-term kind of connection with somebody, it's beneficial. I mean, if I'm going to make a table, or if I'm Kyle Toth and I I want to make you know 300 or whatever beer tap handles that attitude and that persona that you give off, even if you're faking it until you make it like it pays off and you know, dividends for you. Yep. So it's, it's a skill that some people, especially if well, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, I don't like social situations. I don't like new people like, yeah, I have all those same things, but yeah. at the same time it will yield positive results. If you step out of that comfort zone and you do it correctly. And if you don't do it correctly, in the same situation you were if you didn't say anything to begin with yep you're in the elevator and you say and you fart instead and you're like oh this is awkward like it, that person's going to leave you're probably never going to see them again so there's really no harm no foul but if you don't screw it up that's a possible connection that you just made so that's a tick in the positive column So there's very little risk to being nice and engaging to people
3: yeah and a lot of times also, you know, when you think about these like little conferences and stuff that we go to, you know, pretty often, you know, everyone that's there pretty much is there for the same general interest. So you're, already, you're starting off with a common ground automatically versus, mm-hmm. you know, like going up to a girl at a bar, you know, you don't know, you, oh, you drink too. You know, that's not as easy <laughs> as a, you know, common ground, but um least with the making stuff you at least like you say you go up to them hey what do you like to make that's the easy connection um but i also found that having and this might be a little bit of a a crutch but now people kind of expect it when i go to these events is i'll I'll have some sort of item to sort Mm of break the ice so i brought around the game boy camera with a printer and stuff and that's that's helped me way more times than I would expect it to, especially like when I went down to visit NASA, like the most straight laced photographer, professional guy's that sitting there with his like super, you know, fancy equipment, taking pictures of the rocket on the launch pad. And I bring out the little (laughs) Game Boy camera, taking pictures. Probably the only time on NASA property ever that someone's taking a picture of a rocket with a Game Boy camera. And it completely like brought that shield down in you know in between us. And he was like, dude, what is that? That's is awesome. I remember those. Oh my gosh. He starts like forgetting he's, you know, a, a Pulitzer prize winning photographer or whatever. And he's there, you know, just kind of the nostalgia is sort of the common ground. So it kind of went back to his, I went back to his childhood and brought him back around, you know, the opposite way. So it's kind of, it's it, it sort of uh blind sides in a good way, you know, brings me down to uh, a level that's, you know, even like at Maker Faire, I would bring that thing around and take pictures. I would like take pictures of people, you know, with their permission. They, go, oh, okay, you, you have, the, do you have the like the printer too? Like, you know, they'll kind of come up and not expect me to actually have the printer, and I pull the printer out of another pocket. They're like, oh, no way, you know. They kind of print out the little picture for them, and then they'll definitely remember that. You know, oh, I went to Maker Faire, and this dude had a Game Boy printer. Can't believe it. And it's just, it just didn't cost me anything, but it pays off. Relationship-wise, you never know—you might have a contact later on that stems from that or something. You know.
0: I was just thinking—that's how you should do your business card. is the game with the Game Boy camera. Hmm. Hmm. Be interesting.
3: It would be. It has I think to for be another. Pretty high oh, res sorry. for such a small, like thirty-two pixel. <laughs> and take a picture of your logo
0: with it and just print it out and just yeah. adhere, adhere it to like some cardboard or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You'll
1: have I was out. thinking or about... Soon make a,
2: them out of uh, wood. Your business cards? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Hmm? Oh. Uh, another skill. I thought about another skill. Um, like, organization. I know it's not intuitive for a lot of people, and I know it's something that a lot of people fight against. I, I don't think just like keeping your, your shop clean, like that kind of organization, like organizing your thoughts into a process which will become habits which becomes like your workflow you know i i had a conversation with somebody the other day about you know if if you get stuck on a project i was like well if i get stuck on a project i usually have two or three that are laying in the wings in various like stages of completion one might be a pencil sketch in a notebook another might be you know, waiting on materials while the other is waiting on glue to dry, and so if you hit work stoppage at something, like being organized enough to turn around and have something else immediately there to capture your attention, because I mean we've talked about this enough. Where time is usually our limiting like factor, and so if you are wasting time, like probably not intentionally, just because you don't have, or you're waiting for a piece of something, you know, it's beyond your control you being able to turn around and all right, well I have five minutes, I can try to improve on this pencil sketch, or I can look up different ideas to even get started online through Pinterest Pictures or whatever. Or I can improve on a design I've already made that I found fault in and needs a revision. So it might not be starting a whole new you know woodworking project or a whole new from scratch CAD design. But starting project A and then when you reach a point where you can't get any further on project A, turning around and incrementally getting better at B and C at the same time. But you had to be organized enough to have those things in place. Um, I mean, it's all depending on like your your interests or your particular field of of concentration. But I remember when I was getting really heavy into customer stuff that I would build something and I would stop when I'd wait for glue. I'm like, well, I have this time. like I need to be doing something with it because I only usually had three hours or whatever in a given work day because I had to work at the end of the day. So I was like, I had to fill that space. So I had to have something that was lying in the wings waiting that couldn't completely take me away from the original project. But I could still incrementally make progress on something else. So I think processes... your workflow are definitely important you can try to batch something out if you had to make multiples of something but that really involves i I guess that's the project management kind of side that i thought about but (laughs) getting organized because if your if your shop is in not like physical chaos where you just have stuff everywhere but if your project flow and like how you order materials based on a, a sketchup model or whatever having that in a regimented kind of system so you know where you're at on any one of those given projects can help you absolutely help you maximize your time, which is, I think, most people's most precious resource.
0: Actually, this might be interesting, too, is for, for all of our listeners, tweet at us who you think has the the most efficient shop or maybe the most efficient um, setup in their shop, and we'll we'll tag them in the notes somehow or make sure that we point everybody in you know those directions, too.
2: Well, I thought about two for kids. Like, I have the three kids, and when I have them by myself, if my wife is not around, because when she's around, she knows how to do it. Like, she gets them. And she understands, like, okay, well, this one's going to act that way when they're hungry, and she knows all their little triggers and things. But, I don't know, I assume that everybody else's kids... like. If you and your wife are together, your kids act a certain way. But if you're not there, they act a certain way. Or if your wife is not there, they act a certain way. Do you guys have that too? Where they have this weird bipolar situation where they act a certain way when the mom and dad are together?
0: Yeah, to, to a degree.
2: Okay. Because Tiff, like, if she goes out somewhere, and I just, I don't I'm not going to make dinner because I'm either super tired or whatever. I'm like, we're just going to go out. And she's like, it is close to the witching hour. That's a terrible idea. It's going to be terrible for you. I'm like, nah, I got it. Don't you worry. And then when she's gone, like, I'm like, I've got this. It's on me. I'm going to go to the restaurant before I even sit down. I'm going to ask for drinks. I'm going to ask for food, probably for the little one. I need a high chair. I need all these things. And I'm trying to like, boom, 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 like proactively kill all of these, like (laughs) these crazy, like explosion type freak out moments. But because I don't rely on her to do it, I'm I'm way more proactive when I'm by myself because I'm scared that they're all going to rise up and overthrow me. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can't hand it off to anybody.
2: No. So that process, like, and you understanding each one of your kids, and like, oh, well, this one needs this thing, or they're going to lose it. Like, so it's not only in a woodworking shop, but understanding your family, your your wives, and understanding your your kids when it's just you. I know, Wes, you're way more experienced of of all your your kids' little idiosyncrasies and their nuances and how they react in certain situations, but like when it's just me, I'm in like proactive mode. And so when I go somewhere, I understand their processes and I understand how to be organized with the three of them so that I walk out with the least crazy situation that I could (laughs) possibly get. And then come home and gloat. I'm like, everybody was great. We totally went to my favorite restaurant, and it was an enjoyable situation because I handled the process. But I handled it in my way, where my my wife would be like, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't do it like this. You should do it this way, or that's how she would do it. But when it's just me, I get to call the shots, and it usually works out because it kind of throws them off because it's like, well, mommy <laughs> doesn't do it this way. I'm like, well, this is happening like this. You guys are cool. Don't scream. <laughs> Let's get through this, and we'll all go home.
0: Wes, have you gone yet for any skills?
2: Yeah, I did troubleshooting.
0: Oh, that's right. Okay. Mark, how about you?
1: Um, that's another one. I think just... I think the ability to take things apart... You know, under, understanding how things... It, it leads into the one that I mentioned earlier, but... um, Like, being able to repair just general things. You know, even even dumb stuff like i have a of a of a pump bottle for my shampoo in the shower the spring broke so while i was in the shower i figured out how to take it apart and found out that i need a new spring for it you know that's just dumb but you know your tools your tools break figure instead of getting that warranty you know figure out what happened what broke how to take it apart fix it you know I have a drill that uh, when I was working on my house, I burned the motor out, and I still haven't fixed it. But I've have all the parts to fix it. <laughs> but I could. Fix I just it. have. I just haven't sat down to do it yet. You know, <laughs> I have a. I also, I have a TV in the basement too that doesn't turn on that I'd like to figure out how to uh, how to get working.
2: Wonder like how that. many people are screaming that it's a it's a capacitor.
1: Right. <laughs> it probably is. I just have, I have a, I have a stare I have an, I have an old nineteen uh, seventies Marantz uh, stereo that I was using for my speakers that is now blowing fuses every time I hit the power button. I will not give up on this thing, but I haven't the faintest idea what to look for to how to fix it. So that's going to be one of the other things that you know I, I, I try to figure out. I want that thing to work bad because it's just it's beautiful. It's, Everything's analog and gauges and backlit with nice green lights. It's just really cool. So, yeah, I think I think just like repairing stuff, taking things apart.
0: I, I don't think. You well, think? I agree with you with uh, taking things apart, um, and I think it should be started earlier on, like encouraging kids. You know, at a certain point, of course, just to take things apart to look how, see how the insides look, and learn how things are starting to work, regardless of fixing them. Because that, I think that being able to repair is even a, a different skill. But just having a little bit of knowledge of what actually goes into that thing—either how yeah. simple is that, with just simply a switch and electricity, or like how complex that is and everything that has to happen for that signal to turn on for that device—I think both are really valuable.
2: I think that can start to set up that that troubleshooting and that uh, like yep. understanding the mechanics of things, like by looking at like the exploded view in your head. I think it starts right there, taking apart old remote control cars or old VCRs or, you know, dumb toys. Because dumb toys are easy because it's just, there's a light. And like you're saying, a light, a switch, a battery, and some wires. Like, it's very simple.
1: I found something that
2: looks complex. I
1: found out how, like, a TV remote goes together because I found in uh, one of our parking lots, somebody drove over one of the remotes. So it was already open. So I took the circuit board with me and I was like, oh, let's see what this thing is. And the buttons on it were, like, little metal caps that were just placed on top of the circuit board, and then a clear film was put over it to keep them in place. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, it's that—that's how simple it is. It's just tape. That—it's not even like a mechanical part, you know." And I was—I was fascinated by that thing. I was taking apart. I was like, "Oh, there's a speaker. It's just a plastic box. What the, heck? you know." It was just really neat to to see something that you're, you use every day that's like, wow, this thing's actually pretty complicated. Take it apart. And like, wow, no, it's not really that complicated at all.
2: It's it's
1: basically hot glued together.
2: I remember one time I remade a lighting fixture. Like, I had this really cool light bulb that we had in the helicopter, and I wanted to know if it worked. And so I did, I did like an ohm test where you can test the, the resistance, and I knew that it was good. And I was like, I want to make a thing. You know, it's like a light bulb fixture, really, like you would screw in a light bulb. Like, I want to make one. And and knowing where on the light bulb the positive and and the negative connections are, making something that would screw into it, making a simple little switch, you know, running power to it, like something super, like, trivial. There's no reason someone needs to make that because you have a whole bunch of them in your house. So it really provides no real utility or value other than you just learning how a light bulb works. Yeah, and it was a good like little afternoon kind of project, and then you can take that and add something else to it. Like, all right, oh, and I want to add, um, I don't know, a capacitor that holds its charge, and then we'll like, boom, it'll flash at one time. Or adding little things as you become more familiar with the process, just to reiterate that what you originally thought is true. Because yeah. I made the light turn on. I'm like, hey, look what I made, and people walk past are like. That's the dumbest thing. Like, why did you waste your time on that? And I found like a spool and I lined that spool with like some aluminum tape and just um, someone could look at that and easily make the argument. It was a huge waste of time, but I'm like, I, I confirmed to myself practically that I understand this very, well, it seems like a simple concept, but something that people just take for granted. Like I understand how it works because I, I made it anew.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's sometimes, that's the way some people learn is, is taking it apart, putting it back together. I, um, when I had a motorcycle, I had, it had carburetors on it and I could take them apart and put it back together, but I couldn't make them work worth a damn. And one of the other guys that was going through the project with me is like, I did the same thing. I, I could, he worked in a, all but I shop and he took carburetors apart and put them back together and they worked all day long, but. He didn't actually have any idea how they actually worked. He just knew how they went together. You know, so that that tactile experience is is, that, is like that. That's the only way some people actually keep it in their head. You can tell them all day long, but they won't actually retain that information until they have it in their hands.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things you guys are talking about is knowing what goes into something, or you know, like you said, taking the carburetor apart and put it back together so you know that's the way it goes together but you don't know why. Exactly. And, and being able to answer the why is is what a lot of people are missing and learning to begin with is the, that deeper learning, that deeper understanding. So Josh, with the, the little experiment that you did, you were probably, after that point, you are probably able to answer that why for yourself aside from knowing just I'm going to screw in the light bulb and as long as those two wires are connected, it's going to work. But now you can probably answer why it works.
2: Mm-hmm. That's why I think, getting back to like the tools and workshopping things, I find the value in the X-carve or like kit 3D printers, even though they are a lot more work. Like, if something goes wrong, you already have the understanding of how it goes together because you put it together. You know, it's as precise as your effort allows. So whenever, like, I, I cut mine down, I put it right back together. I can very easily do that. I have that freedom to troubleshoot to to modify because I'm the one that assembled it. And so there's, I think there's two camps you can live in. Like one, like I don't want the tool to become a project, which is you know, exactly correct. Or I don't have the precision or I don't have the, the detailed you know, nature to make that thing as precise as it needs to be. I should just buy it assembled or I don't have the time to make it. So I'll just buy it assembled. But if you do buy things as a kit, just learning how it works is an awesome skill and you get to have a tool afterward. So you really get, you know, two products. You get the thing that cuts something or builds something and you get the knowledge of how stepper motors work and how, you know, linear actuators might work and how G code works and G shields and things like that. So it's really, you're getting, if, if your time allows, you know, you're getting more with a kit tool than just, you know, the ability to make or cut a thing.
0: I think we're going to have to extend this topic to a, another episode. There's a lot that we didn't even get to, um, yeah, get to today. Especially yeah. some of the stuff we were talking about before we we started the show. <laughs> it's
2: all about demystifying, right? Yep. <laughs> and just like you talked about, you know, this topic is very organic and can very easily flow into, you know, yeah. your input can affect my answer, and it could. Make a whole new answer because I I don't really remember what it was that we were talking about earlier because I know that we've we've made either better points or the stuff that you guys have brought up has affected mine and changed my answer. But I think that uh, with that idea, I think the best skill that people, especially little introverts, like we all tend to be, is getting out and finding like-minded people and admitting you don't know how to do something so that you can receive like input from others because it makes you so much better on so many different levels when you get input from other people, a different perspective from someone else that is just as interested in your success as you are. Like that has, I know for me personally in my whole life, like this make stuff group and, and like the podcast and things has had deep, like meaningful impacts on things that I didn't think it would have. I just want to make a table and it's, <laughs> It's done a lot more than that. So finding you know, your own little band of Misfit Toys, you know, even though it may be uncomfortable to meet new people, it, it pays off.
0: And one of the best ways you guys can do that is share the show with somebody. Let them know what you're listening to. Get them hooked on the That's shows good. too. Build a community around what we're trying to do as Makers, Dads, and Geeks. In fact, we would love to hear from all of you. Just go ahead and go to makinggeeks.com. Go to the contact page. Drop us a question, um, suggestions for show topics, anything you want. We read all the questions and comments that come in through the website, and we can't guarantee that we reply to all of them. We do get quite a few, but there's a good chance you might hear your question or suggestion on the show. And on the home page, you could go ahead and listen to all of our past episodes, take a look at all the awesome guests we've had, and just. On a weekly basis, check out the site and see what new changes we have as well.
1: And you can also find us on our social <laughs> media pages: Facebook at Making Geeks and Twitter at Making Geeks, and under Instagram at MakingGeeksPodcast
3: dot And over at Patreon dot com slash Making Geeks, we have a list of people that help support our show. They provide you know support emotionally and financially. Uh, we look to them for you know, advice. You know, we ask them questions. They have exclusive access to our uh, patreon feed so we can post kind of topics over there that they see first. So it's kind of like an insider's look at the making Geeks operation. And we're going to be adding a new Patreon level. Uh, shortly with some notebooks and maybe some other ideas that we've been tossing around. So keep an eye out for that. And we want to thank our current patrons over there. Thanks a lot.
2: And if you want to find out more about us individually, you can check out all of our work at GeekSmithing.com, GeekBuilders.net, Asylum Designs on Instagram and Twitter and Thingiverse, and the ThePIWorkshop.com. And we'd like to thank everybody Every week for hanging out with us, listening to the podcast, supporting what we do, supporting in the community, and from all of us to you, thank you so much. And we hope you have an amazing week.
3: And we'll half of us will see you in Atlanta before the right next show. Yep.
2: I found my my stack that. of stickers, the nice. ones I washed in my pocket. They still look good. All right. So if you're in Atlanta <laughs> and you get a sticker that has slightly crumpled edges, but the sticker part, solid. Yeah, come Adam by, Savage. say hi to
3: Josh and I. Woodworking show at the Cobb Galleria, I think it is, uh, March 31st, the 1st and the 2nd. So stop by, say hi. It's pretty cheap to get in. We'll have uh, meetups and all kinds of shenanigan- sh- shenaniganization going on. That's good. I'm pretty sure that's a word.
0: It is now. Sweet. Hashtag that. Oh, that's yeah. That's another t-shirt. Hashtag (laughs) shenanigansation,
1: if you could say it. Yeah. (laughs) Say that ten times fast. (laughs) All right, folks, take care. Have a good weekend. Have a good night.
3: Hashtag duck ninjas.
1: Scroll ninjas.
0: What was it, Chipmunk Samurai's? Yeah,
3: it's going to change it up for each event.
2: that I knew that he would not be on and then, like my hand touched something I was, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like where did you puke he's like oh kind of all over it <laughs>